Pastors Larry and Tiz welcome you to another New Beginnings Church podcast. Go deeper into God's Word with practical messages and lifestyle studies that will equip, inspire, and encourage you in your relationship with Jesus. Get ready to be fit for life. Good morning. Welcome to Fit for Life. My name is Pastor Nancy Cole, and you know, normally I don't teach from a um, Bible scripture, but the Lord woke me up last night um, with a scripture that I still haven't found, so I'm giving all of you the instructions. If God does talk to you or you have dreams, have a notepad next to your bed so that you can jot something down, but I did find something that kind of uh, went along the line of what he was saying to me, so um, I'm excited about who's here, because this is kind of a... Uh, how shall I say it, next level teaching. And if we had a, a brand new person, because this is the first class that someone that comes to the altar comes to. So if we had a brand new pe- uh, person who had just accepted the Lord, then it would be kind of a different lesson. So it's like God handpicked you. So welcome. Glad you're here. Let me open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are alive, that you are active in our lives, and that you were always talking to us. Sometimes we don't hear you, Father, and sometimes we misinterpret you, but you are always, always reaching out to us. Now, bless each person who is here, Father. Bless the ones that will listen to this message later on. And thank you for the gift of Jesus Christ and his blood. And God's people said, amen. Hi, hon. If you have uh, your Bible with you, uh, turn to uh, John chapter 14. And I think we're going to start with verse 16. Um, it's become, and maybe all of you already know this, and you're thinking, wow, she's really elementary. But it's becoming really clear to me that uh, a lot of people believe there's a God. And they say, I believe in God, because they know there's a God. And a lot of people are aware and believe that Jesus died for them. But there's a whole different step to being a child of God than just knowing about God. (laughs) And my concern is that someone would sit in a church pew for years and never understand what it means to actually be a child of God. Now, we know that the Lord has put into place certain um, natural phenomena that whether you're a believer or not, they work. Uh, The easiest to understand is gravity. You know, whether or not you're a heathen or a saint, gravity works. Uh, The same principle is with uh, sowing seeds. When um, I worked in corporate America, one of the bosses that I had, um, we were opening branches, and he would always go into the local community and make an investment between five and $10,000 into their boys and girls club. Now, I knew the amount because I was in charge of the budgets for uh, all of the marketing. And it's like, you're taking another 10 grand out of my budget? And so I asked him about it one time. I said, you know, why is this some, you know, love you have for kids or, you know, what is it? And he said, how can I expect to get a profit from a community that I don't invest in first? I know, I know. Now, I had not met Pastors Larry and Tiz yet. I mean, I was just a good Baptist girl. Honey and I were attending a good Baptist church. So it was like, wow. And then after I started following Pastors Larry and Tiz, I realized that is such a Jewish concept. Now, he had, that boss, he had um, an incredible mindset about right and wrong and what we ought to be doing. I've never heard him profess Christ or even talk about God, but he lived a very moral life. 
So as Don and I joined Pastors Larry and Tiz, and I was, you know, studying and listening to them and stuff, and I'm looking back, and it's like, I don't know whether I'm going to see him in heaven or not. But he was just a completely wonderful, moral man. I do know that I have met some people that I would never invite home for Sunday dinner and would step on the other side of the street if I saw them, and I'm sure that they are children of God, and I'll see them in heaven. So I can't judge one way or the other. But my job is to at least let you know so that you can let other people know about what it really means and the good news for us, because it's really good news if we understand that. Today is Palm Sunday, and so there are a lot of different uh, churches and religions that are doing special programs. But I think for us, um, looking at it, it's like this was, as Pastor Larry taught uh, at the Great Shabbat, a time when, when Jesus was riding in on that donkey, the people, the Jewish nation, they received him as a sacrificial lamb. They celebrated him. It was not that group that wanted him arrested. It was not that group who felt that he was doing something wrong. And I'm going to sidestep before we start reading in John. Um, Judas gets a real bad rap in the Bible, rightfully so. However, uh, he was well-educated And of all the disciples, he probably was one of the best ones, um, education-wise. Everything, you know, that that would be the top notch, it would be him. And there's a teaching in Judaism, and it's not mainstream, it's kind of underskirt, but I'll just share it with you. So this isn't, you know, Pastor Larry, or this is the Bible, that Judas really wasn't trying to betray him. He was trying to force his hand. He was tired of waiting for Jesus to be the conquering Messiah. They didn't understand that there are two versions of the Messiah in the Bible. (laughs) So he believed that because Rome was so oppressive to the people, that Jesus would finally have his hand forced and that he would come out as the Messiah. That's why he was so heartbroken to realize that his plan didn't work and to realize that what he put in place instead was the crucifixion of Jesus. But if we step way, way back... That had to happen. That was all part of the plan. So God, in his divine understanding, looked down at this group of unusually collected men and said, okay, this is the one that I can depend on to try to force Jesus' hand. This is the one that I can depend on to be politically involved, to be politically correct, to be saying the things that need to be said. So I kind of have a soft heart for Judas. Now, Don has a soft heart for Peter, he and Pastor Larry. I figure, couldn't somebody unmuzzle that guy? You know, it's like, why are you so hot and cold, up and down, up and down? So as we read the Bible and study, it's like, let's look at these as if they're our neighbors or not a relative, you know, a friend, someone that we know so that we can kind of understand. I had a better understanding of Peter when the first time that we went to Israel and I saw his house. Uh, Peter was not a poor fisherman. Uh, that's, a, that's a Catholic teaching. I'll just be blunt. Um, his house, when it's ex- excavated, uh, it's quite large. Um, it has different stories, and he had indoor plumbing. Now, I know. Think how many years ago that was. So this was a man of means. So that if you really step back and look at it, it's like, why would Jesus take a man? Because in that culture, you know, the, the woman was kind of protected by the man. Why would he take the breadwinner out of a home and leave a family destitute. That doesn't, that's not our Jesus or our God. 
So there had to be a business that was in place that was continuing to work, continuing to work so that she was taken care of, the kids were taken care of, the fishermen had money to go. And then when they came back, if you remember, after Jesus was crucified, they went back to their businesses. So those businesses had still survived. They were still going. They had a business to go back to. So ask God to show you, you know, when you're reading, it's like, well, what is this guy really like? What was his occupation? What was his family like? Because God will reveal those things to you. So let's take a look here. Now we've got John chapter 14. And um, we'll go 16, yeah. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another comforter, a counselor, a helper, an intercessor, advocate, a strengthener, and a standby, that he may remain with you forever. The spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, they can't welcome, take to its heart, because it does not see him or know and recognize him. But you know and recognize him, for he lives with you constantly and will be in you. And will be in you. The difference between us who are alive today and the saints that we read about in the Old Testament is that in the Old Testament, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, came and went. It came and went. It came and went. After Jesus' death and resurrection, when he sent the Holy Spirit to us, the Holy Spirit can come and be inside of us. That's the only way that we're going to survive in the times that are around us. We can have intellectual knowledge to know how to plan. We can have resources to know how to put things together. But I believe that the things that are coming, we have got to have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Acknowledge that we are children of God. Acknowledge that we believe that Jesus Christ came, that he died, that he was resurrected. We believe it and we receive it and we step into a different dimension than what we had when we were just a regular person attending church. I don't know if you guys can remember back when you made the decision to accept Jesus as your Savior, but um, for me it was very dramatic, and it wasn't because I was a drug dealer with needle marks and long hair. It's because I was a little Sunday school girl. I'd been born into the church, raised into the church, and I decided it was time for me to get baptized. And so being you know, a good Baptist church, you had baptism all the time in the tanks and so forth, and I'm walking in the water and looking out at my mom and dad and up at my pastor, and um, he said, Nancy, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? like, dang, I never have. I mean, you know, you're a little kid. You sing the songs. You're in church all the time. You have the Easter dresses, the Easter hat, the gloves, the the purse. It never entered my mind that I had not actually done that. And I remember thinking, I had better do it right now or I'm going to embarrass my mom. And it's like, yes, I accept Jesus as my Savior. Well, I went down on that water, and when I came up, my world was no longer shades of gray and brown. It was neon. And as a little third or fourth grade, it was something, somewhere in that period of time, as, as a child that young, I knew there was a difference. I knew that something had happened and that my life was going to be different. I have that experience to go back to. And I think that's why Pastor Larry often has all of us say the sinner's prayer at the end of a service, just in case somebody that was born in the church, grew up in the church, married in the church, suddenly wakes up one Sunday and goes, oh, my gosh. I really have never accepted that because accepting Jesus as our Lord and Savior means we lay down 
our flesh. Now that flesh is a feisty little thing. That was my fifth fifth word choice. choice. <laughs> feisty little thing the flesh is. It will continue to try to come back. And I'm not sure why that is. Well, we can ask God about that when we get home to heaven. But it does mean that we have to continuously check our motives, check our thinking, and check our planning. When I put together, anytime I have the opportunity to train or teach, I always have a lot of material. And then I I say, you know, Lord, circumcise my ear so that I hear what you want me to say, because God knows who's here and God knows who needs to hear what. And so my job isn't to regurgitate something that I think is cool. My job is to make sure that I'm saying the things that somebody in this room or listening later on needs to hear so that they get the message from God. I would have much rather had him write his message in the sky, you know, real plain. (laughs) But he depends on us, which is kind of a sad thing to me. (laughs) Because <laughs> we're very human. <laughs> the greater news, as I've studied under Pastor Larry, is that um, even if something needs to be done and I say no, God will provide somebody else. But I've missed my blessing and I've delayed uh, any gratification or blessing that's coming my way. So I always want to be the one that's going to do the right thing. The problem with some of us who identify with being an overachiever is that sometimes we step in and do things that are good things, but God hasn't called us to do it. There are many many, um, not paths, ways to get something accomplished for God. And the, the kicker here is that maybe the first person that comes in and God is going to show them a vision of what they're going to do. And so they see it and they're ready to run. And it's like, no, 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 no. I want you to pray. Pray. And for those of you that are called to be prayer warriors, then you go, yes. But for those of us who, who pray out of necessity because we're doers, it's like, oh, it just doesn't seem like enough. So somebody's job may be to pray. And then Deb's job may be to smile at somebody in a grocery line so that they have a better day. And then Tracy may be the one that says, God bless you. And Tracy's ready to four spiritual laws just right there. And God's like, nope. So I have prayed. Deb has smiled. Tracy has, God bless you. And then all of a sudden Don shows up. And he's a natural born salesman. And so that person is kind of open, and he's going to just, you know, yada, 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 yada. And so he brings him to the Lord. Everybody claps because Don brought him to the Lord. And if we aren't really spiritually mature, I'm going to pout. That's my flesh. I'm going to say, God showed me that. Why does he get all the glory? That's flesh. We have to understand that every single person here has a job. And God may show us the end result, but it does not mean that we're the ones that is going to do that end result. I confess all the time. I see things. And I ask God, should I say something? And I'm like a, you know, our dog champion getting us, greeting us at the door, the tail wagging. Yeah, 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 yeah. Say, say yes. And 99.9% of the time he just says pray. It's like, So I see it, but my job is not to close it, not even to start it. My job is to pray. And so I pray. Now, I won't give any names and I won't give any circumstances, but um, I've been dealing with something for about three years with an individual. And uh, finally, Pastor Christine Baker, when she was here for Freedom Weekend, and um, I oftentimes, when I'm with someone that I know that well and they're that spiritually mature, I don't tell them everything. I wait until they ask 
because if they ask, I know she has the maturity that God has said, ask. So I responded, and then uh, Pastor Christine said, well, let's, let's pray about that. And because I know her and love her, it was like, yes. God is my witness. One week later, things were changed. Two weeks later, they were magnified in wonderfulness. And I'm putting on my makeup this morning in the mirror, and God's reminding me because I'm covering different points and stuff, and it's like, find someone who's a faith-filled person. Speak words that are positive. Have a prayer of agreement, and then watch and, and see if I won't do it for you. So many of us, because of our training, we want to um, identify what it is. You know, what, what's that spirit? What, what do I fight? And it's like, if I'm on this level fighting, then my vision is off of the answer. And this doesn't make any sense in the natural, but it's like, okay, if I've got something going on, rather than trying to figure it out here and binding and binding and binding and binding and so forth, then I'm going to one time ask for forgiveness for, for myself for anything that I might have done to have caused that issue, and then I'm going to bind any division between me and that individual, and then I'm going to, from that point on, speak, thank you, Father, taking care of it. Thank you, Father. Because in the prayer that Pastor Christine and I did, we, we bound, I confessed, I didn't know what I'd done, but I confessed, because like, I have to have done something. You know, with icky things don't happen without part of our participation. <laughs> so I confessed, we bound, and then we started speaking the truth. So we were in agreement, and we covered this real quick, and we went on to here. So that every time I saw that individual, I didn't see this. I saw that. And for all I know, when I get home to heaven, God's going to say, you know, you could have done that three years ago. All you had to do was change your mind. Like, oh, okay. But anyway, makes for great storytelling and teaching. Amen? (laughs) So one time we ask, and then from then on, we praise. We live in the praise. We live with the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, the only problem with that is the Holy Spirit can't live where there's double-mindedness. He has to leave because he can't stand that. And the Holy Spirit can't live where our thinking is off base. And the Holy Spirit can't live where there's any knowing sin in our life. Now, that does not mean that we have to be perfect. Praise God. But it means that as soon as we have an unction that something is amiss, then we need to confess that. Run to our Heavenly Father. Let him just love all over us. <sighs> then breathe in the victory and breathe in the forgiveness and breathe in the grace and then start out again. He doesn't care how many times we fall. He wishes we wouldn't because he doesn't like to see us get dirty and he doesn't like to see us unhappy. But it has nothing to do with how he loves us. It has nothing to do with how he's willing to work through us. Now, everybody in this room this morning, you've probably been through um, spiritual gifts class, so you kind of know what your main gift is. And you've probably been through some evangelism classes, so you know how to talk about the Lord. And when Pastor Larry talks about how that one little Hispanic guy came and said, you know, what you're looking for is Jesus, um, not all of us are going to have that opportunity. (laughs) But all of us can smile, like Deb did when I was waiting for the manifestation. All of us can say, God bless you. And when pastor talks about that spark, when I've got my spark going and I say, God bless you to somebody that I have no idea, you know, where they stand, you can see if they're a believer, that spark in them stand up and go, 
Thank you. Same to you. And you've increased your spark. I don't know how this works. I do know the Jewish teaching, of course, is that each one of us has a spark and we come together. That's why we don't want to stop assembly. Um, we come together and, and our Unite the Light is bigger than what it was. But maybe when we get home to heaven, we're going to discover that there were all kinds of opportunities in our life and in our pathway for us to say something uplifting. You don't have to say, you know, do you know Jesus or you're going to burn in hell if you don't accept him. None of that stuff. But just a, a gentle, God bless you. Have a blessed day. Thanks for waiting on me. You were really fun. Bless you. Just something that's going to have them rise up. Because maybe, I don't know, God works in funny ways. Maybe when we say that, then all of a sudden I've said, bless you. Your flame has gotten larger. And then the next person that comes in your line to you is the one that you're going to witness to and save. We don't know. When, my gosh, I think it was before COVID hit, when pastor was um, taking an offering to bring Jews into Israel, I can't remember which major thing it was, but um, Don and I had kind of have a mitzvah fund. Um, if, if we give you money, you know, it, it's, a, it's a gift. But I, I tell you, you know, this is for my mitzvah fund. If you happen to feel led to give it back, I'll receive it because then I'll put it in my mitzvah fund and give it away. Um, so I had a certain amount of money, and so we're in service. And I think we had two services back then because I was in first service, and I wrote a check to bring one person back. And then I told Don, and Don said to Pastor, I can't let her get ahead of me. So he wrote a check to, to bring a, another person back. And then that Christmas, when I opened up my Christmas card from Honey, he had written a letter as if it was someone in heaven who had been saved by the check that I wrote. Now, Don's not a creative writer. He's a creative talker, but not a creative writer. But this letter was exquisite. I mean, he had to have been writing under the unction of the Holy Spirit, talking about what it meant, and that they, they, he didn't know who I was, but, you know, what he was going through and what he appreciated and so forth. And it was just like, holy cow, this is real. I mean, there's going to be somebody in heaven someday that whether or not you gave $7.50 or $75 or $750, they're going to say, thank you for the peace that you contributed. I, I, you saved my life. And because you saved my life, my whole family now I have that I wouldn't have if you hadn't done that. So when the Holy Spirit gives you an unction about doing something, just, just do it. And again, this is not what Pastor Larry teaches, but to kind of give you an understanding, nobody in this room has this issue, but you, you'll run into people that will. If you are so financially scrapped that you cannot tithe, then by God's law, you are still required to give charity. But number two, start tithing on the amount that you should be giving. So if I'm supposed to be tithing $150, I may start out by saying, Lord, I am writing a check for $15. I confess my sin of mismanaging the blessing that you've given me. Now, you have to confess the sin because that kind of locks it into our flesh. (laughs) It's like, darn, sin. I confess the sin of mismanaging my money. And I thank you, Father, for forgiving me. And I thank you for increasing my cash flow so that I can give a full tithe. Thank you, Father. And then you put it in the plate and you release any guilt. And then you watch and see how God will add to it so that you can have a little bit more. Pretty soon you've got 25 and then 55 and then 100. And pretty soon you're up up to the top. But every time that you put the portion in, you confess sin for mismanaging your funds. 
and then thank God for forgiving you and know that you're doing the right thing. Between financial turnarounds with businesses, between health issues that cause problems, um, there may be a time when some of us are in a crunch to where we can't give the way we want to give. And um, it, it's okay. When Don and I you know, pray about uh, how much to give for first fruits, some year uh, it's been you know a, a large number for us. I mean, not for others, but for us it's a large number, and it's kind of a sacrifice. And then other years it seems like a small number when we have a lot more money. Um, but it, it's not about the zeros. It's about what did God say and did you do it? See, God knows what's coming. So I may be ready to write a check for a certain amount, but my ego will get in the way to want to write the, the, the big big check that I enjoy writing. My ego will get in the way, and that's, that's not God. And so he's given me a different amount because he knows I'm going to need that fund for something else that's coming up because he knows down the road. I don't know how the flesh works in, in your life. Um, I'm pretty strong, and I forgive pretty quickly, but um, I do hold at arm's length when you know, something is, has happened to me, and I don't invite them right back in again. And for a number of years, that served me very well, and the Holy Spirit, I think, was okay with that. And then suddenly it was like, no, we're, we're not going to live that way anymore. It's like, come on, it's worked pretty good for all these years. He said, what I want you to do is, he said, don't take them in here, not into your spirit, not into your soul, but I want you to reach out and love on them. I got an amen. Darn, I was hoping it would be silent. <laughs> so I don't know where you are in your walk, but I mean, I'm just, I'm sharing from the heart this morning about, you know, where we might need to kind of tighten our belt and do something a little bit different. So there may be somebody that, you know, you just really have not enjoyed their company. You know, they're brother and sister in the Lord, but you haven't enjoyed their company. So reach out, you know, just kind of love on them. You don't have to be their best friend again, but, you know, show, show love to them to where they feel the acceptance. Next thing, each of us have a territory that we live in, and we know about putting the mezuzah on the door. Um, we know about uh, going through and sanctifying our house every once in a while. Um, but I have not until recently uh, understood the importance of going to the edge of my property and assigning warring angels to watch on my property. And, and when I was thinking, it, that kind of seems selfish, you know, that I'm going to have this little cocoon. And it's like, oh, it's not about that, Nancy. It's about the love and the aura, the information in the spirit realm that's going to pour over. It's like, oh, so it's not just about me. So if the Lord leads you when you go home today, because we want the Holy Spirit everywhere with us, then, you know, walk your property. Kick everything off that doesn't belong. Plant in all four corners where you are and claim this territory for the Lord. When we bought our, uh, the home that we're currently living in, the salesperson, um, I think his exact words were, I'm glad you got that house. I wanted you in that area because, uh, do you remember how I even said it? Well, how I heard it was, I want the, uh, um, he didn't know that we were believers, but I want the light of God to be there in the darkness. It was something like that. Because whatever his words were, it was like, really? So it was almost like when we moved in, I was on assignment. <laughs> now, honey naturally is friendly. So whenever he, we had the food giveaway, Okay, honey would load up his car, and he would go give milk to the families that had the kids, and he would share, you know, fruits and vegetables, and he would talk to everybody about the church and what was going on and check on them and so forth. So honey is out there doing that because God hand-packed him that way. But I'm at home, dun, 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 praying. 
Now, I don't know what influence it's going to have. Uh, we don't know a lot of things until we get home to heaven. But I do know that you know a lot of people know Honey and say hi to him and that he can speak into people's lives. And I do know that we have not had the same mischievous things happen to our house that's happened in other houses. And whether that's because of the friendships that Honey has, has bonded with or the Holy Spirit just convincing them they need to go someplace else, doesn't matter. The good news is we're pretty safe. The only thing in our area is a dog that barks. And I still have not gotten him over that. Honey barks all the time. Not honey. I'm sorry. Champion. Champion barks all the time. Anytime anybody comes to the door, he barks. Anytime anybody walks behind the, our, our house where the walkway is, he barks. But that's his exercise. Yeah. But I don't know how many people like that. But anyway, just understand that um, as you have accepted the Lord as your Savior, you've also welcomed in the Holy Spirit. And maybe in the mornings you say, um, my spirit, spirit of Nancy, I want you to join together today with the Holy Spirit. Yes, that's the number one priority in my life. Join with the Holy Spirit. Soul, the soul part of me, you follow the Spirit. And flesh, this body, you follow the soul and the Spirit. Put a pecking order in, in what your day is going to be so that you can establish, okay, this is who I am today. I've always had the fantasy, uh, and I've not found this anywhere in Judaism, but I've always had the fantasy that in the beginning, um, Satan didn't know that there was going to be a night and a day, and that we were going to sleep at night. And so he picked night to be his time. (laughs) And then God said, yeah, you can have it. Go to sleep, my children. (laughs) So that a lot of things happen in the nighttime that um, we don't need to be involved with. But if anything is trying to come against you or into your home or your mind or your dreams or whatever, that's where once you've accepted the Holy Spirit, then that's when when you go to bed, you say, I claim sweet dreams, sweet sleep tonight, Heavenly Father, and I thank you for that. And any spirit that does not bow its knee to the name and the blood of Jesus Christ, you must leave now. And I put the blood of Jesus around this room, around my house, around my property. And I thank you, Father, that no assignment, no dream, no spirit can come into our dwelling. Thank you, Father, to clean out the atmosphere so that when I go to sleep, I'm not going to be tormented. Now, you all know I teach you. Demonic feeds on fear and anger. So if you wake up with a start and so forth, then just thank you, Father, that you were with me, that I have nothing to worry about, and then go back to sleep. And I promise you that the bad dreams will stop because he doesn't want you to praise the Lord. So now you've got a notepad and pen next to your bed, and probably all of you do except for me. Um, And now you know how to pray to, to protect your property. Now you know that having the Holy Spirit inside of us is what's going to make us different from those who come to church and know God know about God, but have never turned over their life to him. Lord and Savior is what we have to keep in mind. Yes, he's our Savior. He saved us. But now he's my Lord, which means I serve him and not me. How many of you in this room are called to fasts? Bless your hearts. Oh, bless your hearts. <laughs> I do fast, but not um, not often. Um, Praise God, he's not called me to that. <laughs> um, when he does call me, I do do it. Um, I've discovered, I think, as I confess, that I finally said to God, you know, what kind of a fast do you want me to have? Because we've done Daniel fasts and juice fasts and all kinds of stuff. And the last fast that I did was the first part of the year in January. And he told me what I could eat and what I couldn't eat. 
and I was shocked that I liked everything that I could eat and that it wasn't a huge sacrifice and that I felt satisfied. And through the whole fast, I didn't know how long it was going to be because he didn't tell me when I started. And through the whole fast, it was like, my gosh, why did I not ask earlier what kind of fast he wanted me to be on? Because if you're a regular faster, then you probably already know all that stuff. But for the rest of us, if you feel like an unction that you're supposed to go on a fast, ask him which one you're supposed to go on. And he may design one uniquely just for you. And there you go. I didn't have to give up coffee, and I was so thankful. Okay. The Holy Spirit. Because we can grieve the Holy Spirit, not just with our actions and our words, we have to sanctify our minds. The battle for most of us is in our minds. And as soon as we step out to do anything for the Lord, or as soon as we recognize that we're in a season of life that we hadn't planned on, we've got to watch our thinking. Satan will continue to bring circumstances around us to get us off track. It almost looks like we're simple-minded sometimes. But the truth is that there's a steadfastness that's required to stand in victory, even when the waves are crashing all around you, that very few people really understand. So bring in the Holy Spirit every single morning. Ask him to guide you, direct you, protect you, talk to you, show you where to go, where not to go. And then keep your focus on what God's word says. And by the way, find something in the Bible that you can agree with because God doesn't say he's going to answer my whining. He's going to respond to his word. So I need to find something in his word that I can pray out loud and claim. For years, I claimed that you and your household shall be saved. And so it's like, yes, Lord, thank you. Your word says that me and my household will be saved. And I claim that, Father. Thank you. For that. And then would go into my prayer. So that was my, my prayer to continue going. So find something in, in the Bible that says what you're believing for and then agree with it. When people hear about that, the 101 uh, professions of healing that Pastor Tiz read, she did read those. <laughs> she saw it enough in the Lord that she realized that she had to speak all of that into the atmosphere around her in order to get her healing. She is now completely through chemo, so now she's in the process of healing and getting her strength back and everything. Um, the Lord blessed her by not taking her hair. Um, so she kept her hair the whole time. I liked her wig, by the way, just you know, kind of a carnal thing to say, but I thought all of her wigs were just darling, and it's like, you could wear that forever, girl, and look just sassy and cute. But there's something about having your own eyebrows that <laughs> makes your, your mirror image a little bit more flattering to yourself. So her hair is good, but she'll be back yeah, in, a, in a short amount of time. She redecorated her office, and a lot of people were saying, why are we redecorating the office? It was just fine. And it's like, no, no, no. She was planning her future. There was nothing wrong with what she had in her office, but she was redecorating for her future when she came back. Those are examples to us. These are people who have gone before us, know how to do it. So it's important that we say, okay, then I'm going to project my future. Yeah, the kids are going to be saved. The house will be paid off. The marriage is going to work. I will have a marriage, whatever it is that you're believing for. But until we get there, in the hallway, we thank God. The other thing when I was talking to the Lord about the hallway, those walls in the hallway are natural. So we look at the walls and think we've come out of one room and are waiting for another door to open. 
But in the spirit realm, those walls aren't there. So you can be looking around rather than thinking you're in a narrow hallway waiting for a door to open and you're, you're praising the Lord. Get rid of the walls and just say, my gosh, it's beautiful in here. My gosh, this is a nice pathway. Whoa. Yeah, the cereal hasn't run out. I'm excited to see what kind of job it's going to be or what kind of man he's going to bring or what kind of health healing I'm going to have. The walls don't matter when you're in the spirit realm. When the spirit is inside of you, when you're walking with the spirit, then you have been elevated to where you're no longer bound by any walls that you were walking in before. So when you see those cute little memes that are on Facebook, and I love all of them, they're fun, you know, praise the Lord when you're in the hallway waiting for the next door to open. You can say, that's good for you, sister. But for me, I'm above, the, above those walls. <laughs> I'm up I'm upstairs looking down going, yeehaw, here we go. Because this is where the power is. What does it say our strength is? The joy of the Lord. And if we're over here fighting or thinking or whatever, it's hard to be in joy. But when we say, Father, I submit to you. I give you my life. I relinquish my right to anything. Because I know that you, Heavenly Father, have a better way and a better plan. Let my life be such that others will be drawn to you. When I was thinking about, okay, how do I finish this, Father? And he said, you're going to pray an anointing over everyone who was called here this morning. You're going to have a new sensitivity to the Spirit of God. Some of you sense him in your body. Um, I, I smell Don can attest to that. He says, my smeller is really good. I smell the Lord. I smell his presence in the sanctuary. I smell demonic presence outside the sanctuary. Um, that, that's kind of how I, I sense what he is. Every once in a while, I'll get a warmth in my hand, and it's like, you know, couldn't you give me that warmth they talk about, you know, whatever? And no, 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 but I smell. So you know how you know when God's with you. And that's between you and the Lord, because he's given you that, that secret little love cap that's like, this is how I'm going to show you where I am. So get in touch with that presence that you know God's with you. And then as we close, I want you to repeat a prayer after me. You can stand if you want to. You can sit if you want to. I don't care whatever is comfortable between you and the Lord. But we're going to go to our Heavenly Father, and we're going to proclaim today, from today's forth, from this morning forth, we're walking in the integrity of the Holy Spirit, the power, the anointing, everything that God promised we could have. I'm ready. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, repeat after me. We come into your throne room so thankful for the completed work that Jesus Christ did on the cross. We believe he came. We believe he bled and died. And that you raised him from the dead. We know that he's sitting at your right hand. And we know that you and he have commissioned the Holy Spirit to be with us now, to permeate our entire being, to guide us, to, to guide us and, and lead us, and to give us wisdom. Let us be sensitive, Father to your presence of the Holy Spirit. Let us flush everything out of our minds that doesn't belong there. 
and we fill it with the spirit of love, the spirit of adoption, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of health, the spirit of joy. And we thank you, Father, that from today on, we walk in the integrity and the anointing of your Holy Spirit. And all God's people shouted, amen, amen. Close with praise, amen. Woo!